It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. These words we heard in that first reading from the book of the Acts of the Apostles might lose their full impact on us if we don't know what just happened to St. Paul in the verses immediately before the story we just picked up on. Paul, of course, has been out preaching the gospel with St. Barnabas, and while many people were coming to believe in the Lord and the church was growing very quickly, Paul and Barnabas were also meeting fierce resistance even violence at times. And on this particular occasion, Paul just got brutally stoned. They dragged him out of the city and they left him for dead. That is the context in which we then hear this verse. They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom. Imagine that for just a moment. St. Paul was busted up. He was beat up. He was probably bruised when he said those words, maybe even still bleeding. That's when he tells the people, this is somehow necessary. Hardship is somehow in the mysterious providence of God needed in order for us to enter the kingdom of God. This reminds me of a letter that I received from a buddy of mine a couple of weeks before my ordination to the priesthood. Uh, This is ordination season, and so I was kind of thinking about this card. I keep it tucked in my prayer book, my breviary, and I returned to it and I read it again. And he told me this in this little handwritten note that I think is very relevant. He said, Anthony, as you prepare for the priesthood, always remember, Jesus does not need our talents. He needs our willingness to suffer. Dang. Our willingness to suffer is what Jesus needs, not our talents and gifts and our abilities. He then goes on to say, I imagined getting ordained and using my talents and gifts to reach souls, but the Lord gently corrected that zeal. The real power of the priesthood, he said, comes from your willingness to enter into the silence of prayer and offer yourself as a victim of love to the Father. Then he ended his little note with a verse from sacred scripture from the book of Sirach. My son, when you present yourself to serve the Lord, Prepare yourself for trials. Prepare yourself for trials. That is exactly what St. Paul is talking about. After being rejected, after being nearly stoned to death, or some commentators think he actually was stoned to death, and then God raised him from the dead. He and Barnabas, after all of that, exhort and encourage the church, saying, it's necessary for us to undergo this kind of hardship to enter into the kingdom of God. And so it is today. It is still necessary for us to undergo so many hardships, so many different kinds of real hardships to enter the kingdom. This should not scare us. 
because really it's just the ordinary stuff of following the Lord. Back in 1975, Ralph Martin, a leader in the charismatic renewal movement and a prominent theologian today, delivered a prophecy that he received from the Lord after Mass at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And this prophecy, this prophetic word that just kind of entered his heart and he shared with the people around him was a message that promised great hardship in the years and the decades to come. But it also was a message that promised glory. Days of darkness are coming on the world, he said. Days of tribulation. Buildings that are now standing will not be standing. Supports that are there for my people now will not be there. I want you to be prepared, my people, to know only me and to cleave to me and to have me in a way deeper than ever before. I will lead you into the desert. I will strip you of everything that you are depending on now. So you depend just on me. A time of darkness is coming on the world, but a time of glory is coming for my church. A time of glory is coming for my people. Now, I don't know about you, but these words somehow at the same time send shivers down my spine. All of this talk of darkness and buildings going away and supports going away and everything seemingly falling apart, it kind of fills me with a little bit of trepidation. But it also fills me with new courage as well. They are words that carry the same fiery truth, the same burning declaration that St. Paul spoke so many centuries before. It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Darkness and danger must come. Painful trials, even chastisements, are sure to happen. The cross will, in fact, find each of us. But from the heart of suffering, we will come to find out that Jesus is indeed faithful, that we can actually depend on him for everything. I think that's what our Lord meant in the gospel passage we heard today. Now is the Son of Man glorified. To be glorified, what does that mean? Well, it means to be exalted, lifted up, elevated, praised. What made Jesus say that he was being glorified at this particular point in the gospel? What was happening? Did you catch the very beginning of the reading today? There we heard, when Judas had left them. When? When Judas had left them. That's right. This is the moment when Judas had slipped out quietly from the Last Supper to go and betray God. To sell out the Lord of the universe for a couple of coins. And yet somehow, this, this moment, is the one that Jesus chooses to suddenly erupt with those words of exaltation and victory. In this moment of darkness, when it seems like things are falling apart, that's when Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. People of St. Andrews, we are living through a time 
of glorification right now. Now is the Son of Man glorified in us. Because I think it needs to be said very clearly. It is really hard to be a Christian today. It just is. The current is definitively against us following God's will and being docile to the Holy Spirit. We have lost so much ground. We are, in many ways, in the process of being stoned. And as much peace and joy as our relationship with God undoubtedly brings us every single day, we have to also admit that that it is also a path of darkness and hardship in so many ways. But here's the mysterious truth. This hardship is the way to glory. It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom. So when people threaten to invade our churches and disrupt our liturgies because of the recent Supreme Court leak, you know what I say to that? Now is the Son of Man glorified. When tabernacles have been stolen from little neighborhood churches and the Eucharist has been defiled, now is the Son of Man glorified. When people refuse to answer a question as simple and basic as, what is a woman? Even as our culture tears itself apart over the rights of women, when the God-given biological differences between male and female are being trampled and ignored, when our children are regularly being force-fed false ideas about what it means to be a human being on the TV shows and movies that, that are just there for them to watch. You know what I say to all that? Now is the Son of Man glorified. When our firm convictions make us weird, bigoted, stone-aged, or maybe thought of as hateful, now is the Son of Man glorified. When God and religion are sidelined, belittled, and silenced, now is the Son of Man glorified. When radicals on both left and right seem only interested in stirring up unhelpful unrest, polarization, and division, now is the Son of Man glorified. Why? Why do I think that? Why do I say that this is the moment? This is when the Son of Man is glorified. It's because now we as a church get to love from the heart of hardship. Now we get to show mercy and humility in the face of anger and rage. We get to pray and fast in silence for the very people trying so hard to shout us down and pressure us into losing our faith. We get to share the peace and the beauty of the gospel of life in the midst of the chaos and upheaval of the culture of death. We have a unique opportunity today, as every generation of Christians has before us, to love the world as Jesus loved it, to love the world as it actively crucifies us. 
That's the heart of the new commandment that Jesus gave us. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. That is a commandment. It is not a suggestion. It is the same Jesus who also said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. It's on the the top of our cathedral, right across the front. If you love me, then keep my commandments. What does it mean for us to keep this commandment? What does it mean to have this kind of love alive in our hearts? Well, it means that we freely undergo many hardships and so enter into the kingdom of God. It means that we love until it hurts, that we love even when we are not loved in return. It means that we put the good of others before our own safety and comfort. That will be painful. It will be imperfect and messy. But in the end, if we persevere in charity and lean fully on grace, God himself will come. And as we heard in that beautiful second reading from the book of Revelation, he will wipe every tear from our eyes and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order will have passed away. Jesus promised us, Behold, I make all things new. All of the saints have known this secret, that we must undergo hardship in order to enter the kingdom. And they show us how to actually live it. Today in Rome, Pope Francis canonized several new saints, ten of them. And one of them is a man named Titus Brandsma. He was a Dutch Carmelite priest and journalist. And he was a man who fearlessly spoke out against Nazi propaganda, which led Pope St. John Paul II to call him a martyr of freedom of expression. But because his views dared to contradict the prevailing Nazi narrative, Father Titus was sent off to a concentration camp where he and and so many millions of other people underwent literal hell on earth. For all his suffering, however, Father Titus Bransma never stopped loving. He never stopped glorifying God. And as the story goes, he was eventually sentenced to die by a lethal injection. And the nurse, she was coming to administer the shot that would end his mortal life and send him into the next life. And according to her story, Titus looked her in the eye, told her that he forgave her, and then he held out a handmade rosary for her. What a beautiful expression of sincere love. In that little tiny act of charity and forgiveness, which was so easily overlooked and ignored amidst the horrors and the atrocities of a concentration camp, despite all of that, we can say, now is the Son of Man glorified. But the story didn't even end there. Because, amazingly, that nurse converted back to the Catholic faith. She repented of her involvement with the Nazis. 
and stepped forward to share this beautiful story about her encounter with Father Titus, who, which really was an encounter with Jesus. That is the power of divine love, the love that Jesus commands us to have for one another. It conquers the worst kind of evil through simple and sincere goodness. It defies falsehood by giving itself away freely. So whatever hardships you happen to be going through right now, whatever difficulties or burdens you feel like you're being stoned with, the challenge is the same and the commandment is the same. Love one another as I have loved you. Love like Jesus. We can do this together by bringing all of our hardships to the altar today. Bring all of your pain there. Bring the darkness and the doubt and the worry and the confusion. Offer it, unite it with the Eucharist. We offer it together because here, Jesus makes all things new.